This is Parasomnia, book two in the Things That Go Bump in a Night trilogy by J.C. Bratton, performed by Floor 5 Theater Company, produced by Floor 5 Theater Company and Blue Milk Publishing. To learn more about the project or to download the ebooks, please visit www.bluemilk.co. Part One Loss. <sighs> I stumbled out of bed and put on some yoga pants and my old university t shirt. I brushed my hair and teeth and added a small amount of makeup. With my dark hair, pale skin, and lack of sleep, I kind of had a goth vampire girl look going on. Although the image of the perfect man was still looming in my mind, I went about my morning. I definitely needed some coffee. I locked my apartment and headed over to the coffee shop downstairs. I live in an apartment home community in the heart of Silicon Valley. I moved in about a week ago. They gave me a great price on a recently remodeled two-bedroom, two-bath. I had a bunch of furniture, so the extra space helped. It was 9 a.m. People were walking their dogs, jogging along the park, busy with their mobile devices. Just a typical Saturday. It was beautiful outside. A clear day. The large palm trees were gently swaying in the wind. I picked up a cold foam cappuccino and parked myself at one of the tables under an umbrella. It was nice to be at peace after a series of unfortunate events over the last few years. About three years ago, my husband of ten years filed for divorce. We weren't able to have children, which led to communication issues. He accused me of being married to my career and possibly even having an affair. That was far from the truth, of course. However, in his mind, we were done. The only positive was the divorce settlement, which left me with a fair amount of savings. However, my father's failing health led to large medical bills, back taxes. I helped out as much as I could up until the end. My father lost his battle with cancer and advanced kidney disease. The bright side was that I had a stable job, close friends, and a sweet kitten at home to keep me company. I decided to take a month off from work, though, to sort things out in my head. I took out my phone and began browsing through the headlines. Stocks, politics, latest gossip. Wait, this seemed interesting. Missing girl, Ohio State University campus, Jamie Patterson, 18. Before I could get to the story, a message came in. It was a text from my ex-husband, Rob. Alex, I'm sorry about your loss. Jim was a good man. I know this must be very tough for you. What I'm about to say will not be easy, but here it is. I'm getting married again. I've known Melissa now for two years, and I feel it is the right time. We're also expecting a baby in June. This really comes as a pleasant surprise. I wanted for you to hear it from me rather than just finding out secondhand. I hope you're hanging in there. Of course this wasn't going to be easy for me. However, I had braced myself for this moment ever since Rob told me that Melissa moved in with him. 
I just stared at the text for about 15 minutes. I figured I should reply back and feign happiness. Rob shattered my heart more so than anyone ever could. I couldn't eat or sleep for days. It was like part of my soul had died. Given my responsibilities as a caregiver, having romantic relationships was difficult post-divorce. There were a few lovers and one-night stands, nothing significant. I was an idealist, always seeking the perfect romance. I thought I had the perfect romance with Rob. We met on a blind date. Rob was at an engineering conference that day, and I worked for tech support in one of the big internet giants. We opted to go bowling and then have dinner. I was actually a pretty good bowler. My dad taught my sister and me at a young age. Dad usually bowled 250 plus. He really should have gotten pro, but his bad hip always caused problems for him. You're pretty good over there, shorty, Rob said as I hit a turkey. He just had to comment about my height. Being only five foot two, I could still swing with the best of them. Unfortunately, Rob wasn't the best bowler. He had a number of gutter balls. See, software engineers aren't good at everything, I mused. Rob smiled back. He had such an amazing smile. He was the epitome of the phrase tall, dark, and handsome. He totally made my heart melt. We then had a wonderful dinner at the Chinese restaurant near the bowling alley. We talked for over two hours. It was refreshing to not only be attracted to someone, but to also have great conversation. I really hoped he liked me at that point. I got my answer as we left the restaurant. Hey, hold right here. Rob stopped me as we were walking back to my car, and he gave me a warm, gentle kiss. Mm. Poor guy had to bend down a bit to kiss me as he was well over six feet. Who cares? I was in love. Shell, I met the man I am going to marry. I shouted on the phone to my sister as I drove back home. And it happened three years later. I didn't have any family left in the area. Mom died shortly after Shell was born. Dad never remarried. In fact, he loved that quote from Betty White. Once you had the best, who needs the rest? Our Aunt Ada helped us out a lot when we were growing up. She ended up retiring with her family in Florida. Last year, Shell moved to San Diego with her husband and the girls, so after my divorce, it was pretty much just me and Dad. Today was flower cleanup Saturday at the Memorial Park. Dad was laid to rest next to Mom at an outdoor mausoleum. I drove up the hill and had the replacement flowers with me. Dad entrusted me with his care and arrangements. Once we had learned that his cancer metastasized to his bones, Dad's health spiraled downward at lightning speed. I had to rush home from work to meet the in-home care nurse. EMTs were there to get Dad's heart started again, and he was rushed to the emergency room. Are you Alexandra? 
a man in his fifties with a strong European accent, German perhaps, interrupted my thoughts as I sat in the emergency waiting room. Yes, I'm Alex. Alex, I'm Dr. Krauss. You're James Anderson's daughter. If you can follow me. Dr. Krauss guided me to the emergency room operating floor. They had Dad hooked up to so many machines, it was just so overwhelming. Alex, your father's potassium level was at 11. His kidneys failed. Unfortunately, there's nothing more we can do. He's brain dead. You need to make the final call, Alex. Dr. Krauss paused to allow me to absorb what he said. The choice was mine. Did I not do enough to help him? I felt so powerless. I couldn't save him. Hell, I couldn't even save my marriage. There was only one thing I could do. I looked over at Dad. It was just, it was time to just let him go so he could join Mom. Go ahead, I whispered to Dr. Krauss. The rest of that moment was a blur as the nurses and Dr. Krauss ended life support for Dad. Beautiful day, isn't it? A quirky female voice startled me as I was sitting on the bench in front of the family crypt. Oh, Rox, sorry, I didn't see you there. Rox was a funeral director who assisted in the internment. She was in her 40s, about my height, curvy with loud red hair. Ever since we bought the family crypt, she would call me to tell me about random sales for additional plots or crypt add-ons. In fact, she called me over Thanksgiving last year about their Black Friday sale. Well, I guess death was a business too. I used flower cleanup day as a chance to check in with some of the families as well. How have you been, girl? Rox asked as she touched my shoulder. Well, I'm hanging in there. Been a bit difficult to sleep, but that's to be expected, right? I thought about mentioning my episode this morning, but I wasn't quite ready to talk about it. Oh, it happens a lot with traumatic episodes. Rox replied. It will get better, though. Just takes time. I'll let you get back to your visit. Thanks, Rox, I said as she began to walk away. The flower cup holder was way up high. I needed the pole to help me reach the cup. Hey, Rox, I yelled. Where's the... Rox picked up a call as she was walking, so she didn't hear me shout out to her. I had to look around for it myself. The mausoleum had three tunnels, all reserved. Guess these were nice commission checks for Rox. I referred to the people interred as my parents' new neighbors. Ashley Browning, a 16-year-old who tragically died in a car accident. The, the Di Matteos. Ten crypts reserved for the large Italian family. Rebecca Erickson, a 55-year-old mother of three who lost her battle with ovarian cancer. Each plot had a marker with a photo. So many people with interesting life stories. Tales of love, tragedy, joy, pain. I finally located the pole. It was next to him. Oh my god, it was the man in the still image. In fact, it was the same image for my dream. Dr. Scott Andrew Collier, March 3rd, 1982 to May 20, 2017. Forever in our hearts. My perfect dream man lived in the area? Dead at the young age of 35? I was fascinated. He was such a beautiful boy. An older woman, maybe around 65 years old, startled me. She was about 5 feet 5 and wore a summer dress and a large hat. 
Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there, I said politely. Was Scott your son? Scotty was my only child. Oh, I loved him so. He was so handsome and smart and perfect. The woman proceeded to add new flowers to Scott's crypt. Ma'am, how did he die, if you don't mind me asking? I inquired of my newfound friend. Scotty died in a car accident, the woman said as she gently arranged the flowers. He was a research scientist and did such sophisticated things that blew my mind. Scotty went to Seattle one day to work on a special project. He was driving back to his hotel and lost control of his vehicle. Oh, I, I almost forgot. The woman reached into her large Louis Vuitton handbag and pulled out a handmade woven object to hang over the flower vase. What is that? I asked curiously. That, my dear, is a dream catcher, the woman said. Scotty had these terrible nightmares. He always went to sleep with it. I couldn't find it until yesterday, else I would have placed it in his casket. Did you know Scotty? Oh, no, I did not. I wasn't about to tell her about my dream. I just came over to grab this pole. My father is interred at the same mausoleum. Too bad. You seem like a sweet girl, the woman said with a smile. Scotty never married. He never seemed to find the one. He looked for her long and hard, but no one ever fit the bill. What's your name, dear? I'm Diane. My name is Alex, I said to the woman. Well, Diane, I'll leave you be. Thank you for the chat. I walked back to Dad's crypt. Hmm. Dr. Scott Andrew Collier, a brilliant scientist, never married, died tragically. How was I connected to all of this? Thank you for listening to Parasomnia, book two in the Things That Go Bump in the Night trilogy by J.C. Bratton. Performed by Floor 5 Theater Company, produced by Floor 5 Theater Company and Blue Milk Publishing. To learn more about the project or to download the ebooks, please visit www.bluemilk.co. Stay tuned for the next episode of Parasomnia. I want to tell you about something very bizarre. I saw these rapidly changing still images appear before my eyes. Parasomnias. Not uncommon for people who have gone through all the trauma you have experienced. The last image that appeared was of a man, about mid-thirties, very handsome. I was totally drawn to him. But get this stuff. He was a real person. I saw his vault at the cemetery today. He's in the same mausoleum as my parents. His name is Scott Collier. Are you referring to Dr. Scott Collier? The research scientist from MIT? He's been to my lab a lot. He died in a car crash. It was in the news. He was really fascinated with parasomnias. In fact, I recall he had claimed to have had some bad nightmares when he was a kid.